everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast. For this podcast, I am joined by the ELS Day co-organizers, and we're going to have a great conversation talking about ladies in gaming. So, ladies, um, thanks for joining us, and um, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourselves? I'm Savannah. And I'm Tracy. So, I thought we'd start our conversation off um, by talking a little bit about ELS Game Day, sort of what it is and how it got started. So, ELS Game Day got started three years ago? Four three years, years ago. Three years ago, when there was a need for an all-women's game day, a kind of safe space for women to come together and game without judgment from some individuals. And we get together once a month from 12 to 6, and this year it's pretty much every second Sunday of the month. And we have board games on demand, and we have a favored game of the month. And We're also throwing in a couple of try RPGs free for just women and girls and those who identify as such. Awesome. So if I were interested in going to the game day, which, by the way, I already do go, but <laughs> um, if I were newer to this, um, where could I find information, and where do you guys hold the game day? Okay, so we have a Facebook group uh, for ELS Game Day. It is a closed group, so you do have to ask to join. And we do have Twitter, Instagram, and, um, and we do the game days at Kamikaze. They have a flyer of all of our dates, including our social stuff. So, And we also have a Gmail account, so you can email us at elsdayboston at gmail.com. And um, if I were more of a beginner gamer, is this something that would be good for me to go to? Oh, absolutely. We have kids come in and play games as young as three, I think, we had for Mother's Day. We yep. had a mother and daughter that were, the daughter was three, so we were playing games that were good for three-year-olds. We have games of all ranges. Mm -hmm. We bring them from our house, so we have kids. Right, and to, <laughs> and to clarify, um, the gaming day is for women and those who identify as. Yes. yes. Got it. All right, so... Talking about sort of ELS Game Day and the creation of, um, you mentioned that it was created as a safe space um, for women to play games. It makes me a little curious to sort of think about, so what is it exactly that as women we could potentially run into when we're out gaming at like other events, at cons, maybe at our favorite store, either like a game store or a comic shop, that would sort of make us feel that we would have the need to create a day like ELS Game Day. Well, luckily, we did a panel on this at LadiesCon. <laughs> we did. So for those of you who were not able to join us for our 2018 LadiesCon, um, we're retrofitting this a little bit in that we're going to sort of talk about some of the elements that Tracy and Savannah shared with us during their panel about women in gaming. So... Some of those topics that uh, you heard then might come up again, but we're sort of taking a fresh look at it because I honestly feel that this is something that doesn't just go away. No, it doesn't. It's not. Right? So get us a little started about what you guys talked about at LadiesCon. I think before we start, we're going to do the disclaimer that we did at LadiesCon, which I was... I think it's a great idea. We are not the She-Ra Man Haters Club. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk about difficult behavior that we as women, we women and those who we've polled, and we did, we did a poll on Twitter, uh, have dealt with and displayed at the table, or seen at the table. Uh, if you have recognized that behavior as something you've done at the table, then maybe now's the time to reevaluate, you know, your choices. Yeah, and we mm -hmm. saw the need for this panel because 
There were some ex personal experiences that we had, and also the story of Misty Vander, who experienced a GM at a convention who was just awful to her because he felt that a woman did not belong at the table. She wrote her story, and you can find that online, and the convention tried to back up the GM's behavior as being okay. It happens a lot, and women don't feel comfortable talking about it because we are invalidated. Right. But we're going to talk about it. Dang it. Yeah, and... <laughs> I just want to add, like, another little sort of thing is that, you know, we're not coming out here saying that, like, all men are evil. No, and, not even remotely. Right. It's really just a conversation that we're having about awareness. And also, all of us can make mistakes, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And we can say things that I'm sure a lot of people have heard the term, like, microaggressions. Yeah. Right? We can say things that we feel are potentially being supportive and understanding of that individual, but at the same time, we don't often think about how those things can be perceived by the person that we're talking to. Sure. So this is really for all of us, not just for men, for all of us to think about sort of yeah. the conversations that we're having with people when we're at the gaming table. And I'm sure this is also applicable in other parts of your life. Absolutely. And then we may crack a few jokes, uh, but the stories we tell today are really no laughing matter. Like, mm -hmm. it's not okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... You know, it's a mechanism for dealing with it. Sometimes you joke about it. And we have some tips that we compiled based on our Twitter responses. The first one is don't treat us like we're a rare treasure. There are women in gaming. And honestly, a study shows now that there's 50% men and 50% women who say that they're interested in gaming. Oh, really? Playing. Yeah, so it's a 50-50 split now. Even though games aren't really tailored to deal with the split, it's more tailored towards believing that there's more men gamers than women gamers. When you mm. look at things, it's a 50-50 split. So Do you... Um do you think that has to do with the kind of games that people are playing and thinking about? For instance, I read recently a statistic somewhere that says that women nowadays actually play more online video games than men do. Because you can have that anonymity behind right. the screen. But they also say it's because women play different games than men do. It's true. Yeah. So, like, while men are playing, I don't know, like, Fortnite or Overwatch or whatever those, like, games that... First-person shooters. Yeah. Um, women are playing more games like Candy Crush on their phone or like Tetris or just yeah. different types of games. I'm noticing a trend towards more women going for that Fortnite, that Minecraft, and that I experience. Think, yeah. And look at Horizon Zero Dawn, which came out last year, and it has a female as the lead. And mm -hmm. she's awesome. She doesn't need anybody else, and she takes care of her business. Right. And she was everything I looked for in a video game. Yeah. And I was so excited to see her. But I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is just because like maybe you don't see as many women like playing Dungeons and Dragons at your local gaming thing doesn't mean that there aren't yeah totally yeah. like women playing other games other than Dungeons and Dragons perhaps yeah. that still counts as gaming but yes. it's, it's also the unsafe space that a lot of the friendly neighborhood gaming stores create like a lot of the the FGS's friendly gaming store <laughs> creates a more safe environment for men to come in and when you're a woman walking in you don't get that same vibe uh i'll tell you the story of a, a game store yeah i'm gonna tell this story um knows which one. she's giving me a look i went in to buy a mutants and masterminds core rulebook which is a great superhero game by Green Running Games. And they are one of my favorite publishing companies. And so I went in to grab a book. I was a relatively new RPG player. I was going to run my first game in this system. And when I went in and asked for it, they asked me if it was a gift. I said, no, it was for me. And they said, well, why don't you play something like Fairy Tale, which is more geared toward women? 
Mm-hmm. And I went, no, thank you. And I put down the book and I walked out and I didn't buy it because stores like that don't deserve my attention. But on the flip side, the first time I ever went into Kamikaze and what made me fall in love with the store itself, the workers watched my son approach me to ask me questions about the comics and cracked up when my husband tried to answer and I go, no, you don't know anything, shut up. And there, there are there are plenty of friendly neighborhood gaming stores that do have that great atmosphere. Right. Um, I can think of because I live in the South Shore. There's a chain down by me where they have a no tolerance policy right. for any of that. And that's not to say that like you know, I mean, I would say that things are progressing. Yeah, um, most definitely. Yeah. Than they have like 10, 15 years ago. I have two Dungeons and Dragons games that I'm playing now. I know part of the reason that I'm playing that game has to do with ELS Game Day because I just <laughs> discovered that I really like gaming. But we can still find ourselves in those spaces. Yes. And some of the things I'm, I'm enjoying about RPG books now are I know Paizo does this, and I don't know about Wizards, but a lot of the game books now for the Starfinder system for Paizo and some of the Pathfinder stuff always refer to the player as a female. Really? Yeah, and I think it is really cool that they do that because I was reading through, we were getting ready to run a star, uh, my husband's running a Starfinder game and I was reading through the book and it was like, whatever she thinks is a good idea for her character. And I'm like, she? Well, that's refreshing. Like, like <laughs> Yes. Now if only we can get them to say they. Or it's true. Yeah, it's, it's very, very true. <laughs> Little steps. We're getting there. Slowly but surely. I believe there is one book. I can't remember the company, but they are using they and them. That's great. Yeah. And I, I think the trend is realizing that there's more of an audience and I'm really grateful for that. So our next tip is don't ask questions. You would not ask the man next to us. Some examples from Twitter were, who's taking care of your kids? Or does your character sleep naked? Even what are you wearing if you're not asking everybody can be awkward. And as an aside, men, please dress your women characters in appropriate armor. Inappropriate armor should have a deduction and protection to help discourage them. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. The chainmail bikinis will not actually protect anything but your most desired assets. <laughs> I was at Gen Con once, and one of the things that we were told to do was describe what your character's wearing, and one of the gentlemen at the table had a female character and pretty much dressed them in the Leia... Slave Leia. Java, Leia. Slave Leia. And I remember the GM actually going, does that offer any protection? And on this, she's like, well, it says here that this is protection, like regular armor protection. And we're like, that doesn't, no. really, that doesn't really fit uh, what we're going for here. <laughs> slightly uncomfortable <laughs> yeah i mean for me it's always like a question of what's appropriate for your character mm-hmm. yeah right you're not making a character so that you can have a couple minutes of salaciously describing a body male or female right it's your character has a personality and a, a job to do and well, would and probably it, dress appropriate for whatever that is based on their personality and, and occasionally role. the less the less clothes is appropriate Like, I have a character that runs a brothel. She is a succubus in charge of a brothel. She dresses accordingly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then, you know, the same goes the other way. Don't you, as a woman, your your male fighter is not going to be wearing a loincloth. They are going to be wearing maybe sensible pants. Or like a shirt that shows off muscles. So what I'm hearing really, this is about like the intention. 
yeah, the intention behind it, behind it is really is, and like we said at the beginning, like I think men are used to being at the table by themselves for so long that they're used to a certain kind of behavior. And when a woman joins the table, they don't realize that that kind of has to shift a little. Which and... leads into the next point. Oh, does it? It does. Oh, great. Curbing genitalia jokes. Oh, yes, I should talk about this one. Wait, what? Yes, curbing genitalia jokes and pictures. Um, so we're not asking that it gets cut out. You women aren't prudes. As a woman, I <laughs> totally appreciate a good dirty joke every now and then. Amen. Yes, but if you notice people getting uncomfortable, you need to stop. Exactly. And that is the point of this. It's that thing that, like, I will make those jokes with friends whom I know. Exactly. And that's my point. Also which... enjoy those jokes. If I'm sitting at a table with someone I've never met before, the blue humor isn't coming right out. And even if you do know them and you start seeing them getting really uncomfortable, maybe if they're chaining the jokes, and so you go from one to two, to three like there's only a certain amount I can tolerate and once you reach that point I'm gonna start feeling a little uncomfortable and if you pull out pictures at that point and I say no I'm good and you put it in my face then I'm not gonna exactly respond in a very positive way so you gotta kind of curb that you gotta kind of notice your audience even if you've known them forever there is a point where it becomes uncomfortable which again dovetails into the next point which is set a good example for children present yes Treat them as human beings, not as annoyances. Meaning, if they're asking you questions, answer them appropriately. Or let the parents answer. I and mean, that's fine, yeah, too. Yeah, that, too. And keep stories PG or PG-13 until bedtime. Right. Possibly further, because you never know. Voices carry. They're going to be. sneak right. down. Yep. I mean, this is, this is a great point, because we've moved so far from that picture of a bunch of kids in a basement at their parents' house gaming downstairs yeah. Yeah. right and now it's that... the parents downstairs gaming the kids are in bed upstairs but i mean that's true because let's be honest gaming has become more popular now and people now are playing them you know they've yeah. been playing for 10 20 whatever yeah. years and they're taking their games with them but as they take your games with them and as we grow up and our lives change sort of the situations in which we're playing those games and you want to lead by example as well Right. So those attitudes and stuff that maybe you got away with. Exactly. And then my husband actually is still playing with his high school friends that they uh-huh. were playing in high school. Now they all have kids. Right. Like it's kind of that experience where my son's seeing the same, you know, coming down, asking questions. They're really good about answering them. They're kind yeah. of cool about letting them sit at the table and even playing an NPC every now and again. Yeah. But this is the next generation of gaming. And if we don't teach them right, we're not doing our job. Right. Parent gamers is so important and it's wonderful to see. I've GM'd for my son a couple of times and he, he yeah. says it's awesome and I'm the best. She GM'd for my son too. <laughs> <laughs> Two of my I sons. Did. I ran an impromptu no thank you evil game at my son's birthday party. I love that you guys bring kids into this because as someone who does not have children having young girls at ELS game day is a joy because of the sort of community approach that we take to having them at the table. And it's fun. And and a couple years ago at Ladies Con, there was a girl who walked up to us and showed us the game that she had written out herself on a piece of paper. She hasn't come by it to run it for us, (laughs) um, which is an open offer still. She was so proud. We saw her last year and she was working on her second game. Yeah. And and just (laughs) knowing that that's out there and knowing that there's a future in our hobby and and that there's girls behind it is so cool and like the fresh take on it and sort of the creativity of a kid is just come on kids are hilarious they are and you know 
I'm really glad that we just talked about, like, you know, being respectful for when they're at the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because some of us who are not parents, I'm not always sure, like, how do you handle it? So I do appreciate these tips. Like, if a kid is acting up, like, you know, their parents are around or whatever, like, there are people who are more experienced in handling that than I am, and I know that I have people there at the table with me that can help, like, if a kid is getting upset or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, like, having problems with the rules. Well, and the biggest thing with kids is don't talk down to them. Mm. They understand a lot more than... And they can read body language. They know when you don't want them around. Uh So it's if you are in a house and there's a child and you're gaming and you're literally ignoring them, they will know that they're not wanted at the table. And that's not something we've ever tried to convey at our house. He is always welcome at the table. He's always welcome to see what's going Mm -hmm. on. He can ask questions. And if we ever have a player in the house who does that, then one of us steps in and answers the question because he shouldn't be ignored. Mm -hmm. And if you're overwhelmed by the child, just say, hey, parents, can you... Like, we we don't mind you asking us to deal with our children. (laughs) (laughs) Odds are we're already dealing with our children. It's so important for a kid to see what good behavior at a table, at a gaming table, at a restaurant table, any table should be. So if you're not displaying that, then they're not going to learn it. That's so true. Which actually does, again, lead into the next point. Oh, yeah, this is me, right? Yes, Yes, it is. Do not point out how traditionally feminine our character is. It's not an awful thing to, to be feminine, because if you're a female character and you're, say, out for a night on the town and you order a drink, and you're just talking with someone next to you, and someone makes a comment, oh, that's such a girl thing to do, or you go out shopping, you know, you take your, your character goes out shopping. Uh-huh. That's such a feminine thing to do. Girls always be shopping. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, Shelley Mazzanobel, who works for Wizards and wrote this great book called Confessions of a Part-Time Sor- Sorceress, I think, I believe it's Sorceress, she opens up the book with a scenario where she first starts playing and she had her sword. She wanted to go kill things and take their stuff. And the guys at the table said, oh, don't you want to shop first? That's what girls like to do, right? You don't do that. Like, let us determine that. And also, going into that, if men are showing emotion over something that happens, like a male character showing emotion over something that happens in a game, don't call them girly. Don't insult their emotions. Emotions are... Don't invalidate their emotions. Right, don't use femininity and being a woman as a... A negative. Yeah, it's... Yeah. You know, if that NPC that you're traveling with died in the last battle and they've been there since first level and you're now level 15. You have memories with them. You've made friends with them. You know, it's appropriate if they die to mourn them. Don't say that it's girly. Man up. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Like, go on. Don't do that. That's just wrong and not okay. Which... Can I add something to that? Yeah, absolutely. And don't use your characterization as an excuse for bad behavior like that. Yes. Like, oh, I don't yes. really mean that my character's just like that. But do you? I'm playing my character. Oh, that is the worst line to hear as a player or, or GM. GM. I'm just playing my character. Especially if their character's like, I don't want to do anything in this adventure. I want to do the opposite of everything anyone else suggests. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the thing about playing an evil character. Okay. Let me, let but me get it. they're not evil. <laughs> they're chaotic neutral. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me give you my best my best thing so we were playing a game it was myself my husband and my brother i my character was chaotic neutral which i tend towards chaotic neutral chaotic good my husband was chaotic evil 
and my brother was playing neutral good. <sighs> but we were able to work together and get things done because of the way that we played our characters. My husband, yes, was chaotic evil, but what we were doing was a, was a means to an end for his character. He mm -hmm. wanted to be in charge of the multiverse. Right. And we were destroying a giant threat to the multiverse. So him working together with us to save the multiverse actually was in line with what his character was doing. <laughs> Shared goals are important. Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. But you, you need to you need to think about the spin. Mm -hmm. Don't think about your character as chaotic evil. I'm killing everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. Think about how you're going to spin that to get to where you need to be at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And also, as a player, you should really consider the plot points. Yes. Like you're not supposed to be out of game thinking about metagaming. Oh, the, yeah, metagaming or any of that, but a little bit of metagaming would do you good because if you're stopping everyone from moving the plot forward, you all know you have to go to this place. One character says, well, my character wouldn't go to this place. All of a sudden, you're splitting the party or you have to stay Never back with that person split and spend two gaming sessions mm. trying to convince them that going to this place is the place thing to do. Although we did that once. So we, we, we had that happen in the same game. And my brother's character was being a stubborn pain in the arse. So we were like, all right, sorry, dude. And he got killed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Consequences to your actions. Precisely. So getting back on topic. So it is okay for anybody to play a character that's a woman. But just take the time and think about how they would be described. We don't describe the genitalia of our male characters, and don't ask us to. So don't describe how big-chested your character is unless it is prudent. Like my character that, again, is a succubus and runs a brothel. It's kind of prudent to know her qualifications, <laughs> as it were. But if you're a barbarian female, we don't need to know your qualifications. We don't care. Do you have a sword? Can you stab things with it? Awesome. Like, We're yeah. in. It's so uncomfortable. Oh, yes. If your campaign, and I'm going to talk about this because yes. this is a thing that has happened. Um, if your campaign is going into a territory that may include harassment based on gender up to and including sexual violence, rape, and murder threats, and murder itself, Communicate, especially if the violence is threatened to the only female player at the table. This has happened. There is an adventure path that Paizo has done that includes a second adventure path is based on one character being the object of affections of an NPC that has now had things happen. Not just affections, obsessive Obsessive affections, affections that lead to murder and leaving of lecherous notes and it was very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Was not warned. So this is happening. Only female at the table was not warned. Weird question about how this was written. What if there wasn't a female in the party? Okay, so I'm going to get to that. Okay, good. This, this happened <laughs> because when I approached the GM on it, the GM was literally like, well, there's two girls in this game. One is underage. Two characters. women characters. One is underage and one is you. And my response was, why couldn't it be a man? Absolutely. Why couldn't it be another guy? Why couldn't it just be friendship? Why couldn't it be, you know, we're going to be best friends forever? Like Actually, that that's of, a good point. You know, that kind of thing. And then 
if you're if this happens and you know you have to communicate you check in both at and away from the table to make sure every player is okay right because that epic villain that you have in mind is not worth hurting players right and my understanding too is as a dm or whoever's running the game you have the ability to make changes to what's written and look we understand that life is busy and you might not have the time to make the structural changes you need to to make everything cohesive Uh but just the little change a little change of making it bffs or making it a male player that would have eliminated me having to go look this is really making me uncomfortable but still being tied into it because that's the way the narrative is going right and so you check in beforehand make sure the player is okay with being the target of the threats if the player is uncomfortable with that you make those alterations if no one's comfortable with being the object then you try and tone down the topic make it or design another less touchy shall we say use plot point N- or use an npc or use an npc oh, that's so, a good idea. like like in curse that's of strad there is a character that is obsessed with an npc in it's part of the storyline yeah in curse of strad so i'm not giving away too much and that was a very good way of it being handled in my opinion because you're not setting the players up to be co- uncomfortable with this but you're also still dealing with the emotions tied in with yeah. it. I see. And yep. I mean, my, it, it, I'm going to say this was my game. It was my character. So my character had made a point of becoming friends, not boyfriend, girlfriend, no no more than just friends. And like I went out of my way to be like, we are just friends. Guys were joking about it at the gaming table. I'm like, whatever. You know, we are just friends. Friend zone. Friend zone. Oh, no, I'm yeah. friend zone. And then this happened. And then that was like uncomfortable. But... There are other things you can do, like having an X card on the table, where if something is really uncomfortable, someone can scoot that forward. Or, you know, and then kind of the topic would have to be altered to make it less. So an X card is like a timeout. Yeah, like a timeout, like a no thank you evil sort of thing where you you are, you have to rework it to make it so that everybody's comfortable. Got it. Or, in my case, what I do is I text the GM. Nobody knows that I've said anything, and it's up to the GM to kind of reroute that, take it away. Nobody knows. So I'm not feeling uncomfortable with being someone who's raising this as an argument at the table and thinking that everyone's going to change the way they approach me mm-hmm. based off of my uncomfortableness right. with the topic situation. So I think that that's also, if you're not feeling comfortable with speaking out to everybody and you've talked to the GM and the GM has said, look, if this happens, let me know. Texting is a really good way of doing that. Let, now, some people don't allow phones at the table, but I think that it's worthy of having especially since when you play pathfinder there's a srd that has yes. all of the spells so all you have to do is take your phone and google yeah and, and well and that's a big thing too is a lot of stuff is digitized nowadays so even if you're watching like critical role all of their stuff is digitized everything is on their ipads they do it via D beyond like all of their paperwork everything which i i can't do it but I can do like my like the books and stuff on the thing. I need to have like paper that I'm writing on, but <laughs> and that's where like the Pathfinder PSRD yeah. comes in handy. Like I know my character has improved initiative, but how much improved initiative does that give me? Do do do. I can look it up. So that's why phones are good at the table unless you are talking on them. That's and a whole other we'll issue. Get, we'll get into well, that. In yeah, second. that's right. I have but, that down. As but a, but like, first, my favorite one. Oh, Don't yes. mansplain the game. <laughs> We are experienced gamers. Well, Res- some of us are. Well, well one second. <laughs> Respect our intelligence. If we don't know, we will ask. Yes. 
It wait until there's the question. Uh-huh. And if we don't know, we will ask. Like right. if we're not experienced in that particular section, right. there will be a so what is this again? Right. But then don't mansplain it. Explain right. it like you would to anybody else. Right. Be a good be a good teacher. What does this spell do again? Can you remind me? Like, that's fine. Don't be like, remember the first or second ELS day? Oh, had? God, yeah. And there was a dude, and he was wandering the tables looking, and then he paused over, and he goes, I don't think that's the rule. And we went, And he um... starts explaining the what he believes the rule is, <laughs> and I picked up the rule book, and I'm like, it says it right here. And also how we're, how, right, if, the game that you're not involved in. Yeah. If everyone's cool with not playing a certain rule, then that's it, their decision to make. Precisely. It's what like, house rules are made for. Again, yeah. like watching Critical Role, one thing that does drive me banana crazy with D&D, when you're playing, in your turn, you can only cast one spell and one cantrip. And you can only use your action and your bonus action. Right. Matt Mercer allows spells that is a bonus action and a regular action. And it drives me banana crazy. Because you have people casting, like, Fireball and Healing Word in one turn. And I'm like, but you can't do that. But that's his right. home-brewed rule. Right. That's, that's, his, that's how he plays the game. It, that's how he keeps it fun for his people. Right. And, and not just, like... Being respectful when we're asking questions, but being respectful when we're challenging something. Yes. I had a I had a great experience last night. I'm a very patient. <laughs> I have I have I have actually in my life I have many very patient uh, dungeon masters, and you know we were in a very frustrating part of the game, and I was getting desperate, and I was like, I am going to take a piece of fabric and I'm going to shove it into one of my like flasks of oil, and I'm going to light it on fire, and I'm going to throw it at the goblin because I have nothing else to do. And the DM was very like. I don't think you can do that. And I was like, it's a very simple mechanic. I feel like I should be able to. And he was a gentleman about it. He looked it up and there are actually rules. Yes, there are. On how to do it. He didn't tell me to like shut up and be like, I've been playing D&D much longer than you have. He gave me the benefit of the doubt to say like, I feel like this is something that I should be able to do. And it was a really great experience. And and at the time, I probably could have been a little bit mature about it when I finally did get my way. But that is also part of our friendship, and he is he is an Honestly, angel. that is a, that is a GM thing too, because when you're playing a game and you want to make it as fun as possible for your players, you do stretch those rules. So if like yes. you haven't had anything to do for rounds, but finally that one thing that you can possibly do comes up, I find as a GM that I I do alter a little bit and be like, yeah. hey, you know what? You know you've been saving these actions for a while. You could have been preparing. Why don't you give me this role? Yeah, this was one from our Twitter and one that we honestly didn't think of for the before the we posted this um call out for people that but don't use exclusive language someone pointed out on twitter that women is more appropriate than female and we had named our panel so you're the only female at your gaming table now we didn't realize that that wasn't exactly exclusive uh that was well that was exclusive so we actually changed the name of our panel five minutes before we went on and um we we told the crowd that we were going to try and replace women where we put female in our notes to bear with us because we did not realize that this was this was something so we are we are still learning too like women gamers are still learning language to use things you know 
Yep. But I thought that that was super interesting. And, oh, the big one. If someone has not gendered their character, you should respect that and not keep trying to place it in a gender role. Yeah. Yes. Because I've seen that happen uh-huh. at a different game bag that's not ours. can't remember which state it was in, but they were doing tables of games, and I happened to walk past one, and I heard the conversation. And it was very uncomfortable. I have not gendered my character. Please do not give it a male or a female pronoun. You know, yep. <laughs> just yes. let's not do that. It was apparently very hard for people to deal with that. So it sounds yeah. to me like just like with any other sort of situation where you're meeting new people and your character can have their preferred pronoun. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Um, and the next point is uh, treat women GMs as equals, which as you've been listening, we know our stuff. Yeah. We've run, we've both run games. Yes. Tracy more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but women GMs, you are worthy of respect. And male players should respect their GMs regardless of gender or sexual orientation. I can't believe we had to say this, but we did because I've had that experience where somebody's taking a half hour phone call while I'm GMing a game and comes back and in the middle of the bad guy's monologue said in the loudest voice possible, what did I miss? And then he ate all the pizza. And then he ate all the pizza. Like, everyone chips in money. When you go to, like, a game day, game day, sometimes mm-hmm. people will take up money for, like, pizza or sandwiches or something. And they ordered a bunch of pizzas, and they delivered pizzas to each table. And when I got up to get said pizza, it was all gone, and he had taken something like 12 or 16 pieces. And I had put in my money, and I did not get to eat lunch. Because I was in the middle of combat and couldn't get up. So, have you seen that person play before? I had been warned that this player was not kind to any GMs, and he was a really tough player, but I felt bad because people were actively turning him away from their table. But now you know why. (laughs) So I said, yes, you may come play in my game. And then afterwards, I instantly regretted it, and then this individual went online and talked about how I was a really bad GM, despite missing a good portion of the game talking on his cell phone. So So it sounds to me like he's an equal opportunity terrible player. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, his comment was essentially, this game would have been better run by a man. Really? So, yeah. So it was kind of one of those things where I think he's an equal opportunity, really bad player, but I think because I was a a woman GM, it was, it was different for him as far as like the respect went. Obviously didn't. Which is sad because... After he said that and I was forced to stop and explain what was going on, right. I couldn't go back to my Billy Idol fake British accent. Um, so, And I don't do accents very well, but for him I had to. Like a geriatric, they were all older superheroes. They were all had like That's walkers awesome. and stuff. It was based on Welcome to Tranquility, which is a great comic uh, where superheroes have retired and they like live in this town. And um, so I wrote something based off of that. The bad guy was a very, very, very old Billy Idol. Nice. Uh, with nice. walkers and a hearing aid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was just, it, you know, not only do you distract from the table, but it just ruins everybody's flow. After all this. Yes, this sounds weird, but don't treat us differently. Yes. <laughs> this, is our, this is our big sum up. Don't tell us we're being too sensitive or overly emotional when someone jokes with us in a way that makes us uncomfortable or in a way that we don't like it's true and it's not about what's said but about how it's received so you can say something one way but the way it's received might not be the same so if a player is upset about something another player has said at the table or away from it 
don't tell them that you're not hearing it right or that's not what he meant or she meant or they meant. It invalidates what the player is feeling and makes them not want to be honest at the table. If you're not feeling comfortable with talking with the, the group, there's there's not a lot, of, a lot of trust there and that's that can create problems. Yeah, and don't allow joking about a player or their character being emotional or sensitive about a situation in game. Emotions have value and emotions are okay. We've touched on this a lot throughout this podcast, but don't invalidate how someone is feeling about their character. Mm -hmm. Because you get emotionally attached to your character. Even if you've only played like this little short one-shot game, you get emotionally attached. I got emotionally attached to Steve the Alien Professor. (laughs) (laughs) I was very emotionally attached to her. But we played... What was it? An hour? Two hours? Um, it was a very quick yeah, game. Three hours. I think yeah. we did two three-hour sessions of Danger Patrol. It was Steve. very quick, and I got very emotionally attached to Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how you're wrapping this up, because really the message that I'm, I'm getting here is about universal respect. Yeah. Precisely. Right? And, Absolutely. And really universally treating people in a respectful and kind and sharing way, because because at the end of the day, you're all together playing a game, and you're yeah. there to have fun. Yeah, and if everybody's not having fun, then then you've kind of failed at as a table. Like, if everyone's not enjoying themselves and not having that good time, have you really succeeded in enjoying yourself? You know, and creating, and creating a, game. a joyful yeah. environment. That's a great point. And and yesterday was my nine-year gaming anniversary. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> like, I I have been playing role-playing games for nine years. And in that nine years, I've played a multitude of characters, a multitude of games. And every time I play a character, I try to respect who that character is, whether it be my brothel mistress, whether it be the giant cyborg centaur who has a laser male genitalia. But it doesn't matter who it is or what situation they're in. Treat your characters and your other players with respect. That's the best way to to put that. Oh, also, women at the gaming table, we ask that you remember that these guys have been playing probably at exclusively male tables for a good majority of time. So be gentle. Don't be angry. Be gentle in explaining why this makes you uncomfortable and ask them to respect that. So you're saying sort of give them the benefit of the doubt to hear what they're doing wrong because they might not be aware of it. They might not be aware. Give them a chance to receive the information and process it. Before you freak out. Before you get mad at them. But that doesn't mean sometimes you can't help but get mad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I say that and you you, you Again, your emotions are valid. Right. (laughs) Emotions are valid but at the same time just remember that their emotions are valid as well. These guys have probably been at all male tables used to this kind of behavior for a very, very, very long time. Right. You have the right to your feelings of being angry, but sometimes it's more helpful to give them an opportunity to appropriately correct, and then you can get angry. And, then <laughs> and not only that, it's... it's, it's or just you know, be angry anyway. The more that women... Or, Speak out. The, yeah. the more that they talk, we talk and we yes. try and help that people understand how to treat people with respect to the table, the more welcoming the hobby becomes and the bigger the hobby becomes. And you don't want the hobby to get shrink because then all this great product won't come out because there's no audience for it. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, RPGs are experiencing a huge boom. Board games, the same thing. It's a great time to be in the hobby, and it's mainstream now, and it's just wonderful. But in order to keep it that way, that respect needs to go mm-hmm. both ways. Oh, thanks, lady. This this has been a really great... This has been fun. Yeah, and a really great um, sort of primer and just sort of bringing up, you know, some things. Now, mind you, there are probably situations that we didn't cover, but hopefully we talked a little bit about there are resources out there. And if you're finding yourself, too, that maybe there are some spaces that feel more comfortable for you than others, ELS Game Day is always out there. So, And we're a pretty welcoming group of ladies, so... I have, um, yes, I, I keep giving ELS Game Day um, a whole bunch of props. I was not really a gamer, or really, really for a tabletop, and I started going to ELS Game Day, and it is just a lovely afternoon with um, a bunch of great people, and any time that we've ever run into any circumstances, I have found that we've created a space where it's okay to bring up problems that we're having and come up with solutions together on how yeah. to fix those problems. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the two of you specifically have been a really important piece of that so i just want to give you guys a little shout out say thanks and if you and if any of you out there are having issues and need a little bit of bolstering please feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media email us yeah we're here for you well (laughs) thanks guys um and i hope to see some of you listeners at the next els game day Yes, which if you're listening to this in 2019 is February 10th from 12 to 6 at Kamikaze. Our featured game is in honor of Valentine's Day, Love Letter. We're very excited. What is Love Letter? Love Letter <laughs> is a card game that's kind of deceptive. You're trying to deceive everybody else. Everyone's trying to get their love, love letter, letter to, to a princess. princess. And you are all trying your best to sneak it to her without anybody else getting there first. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, sneaky, but not super cutthroaty. So we're in, that, that's lovely. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't look for a lot of cutthroat in my games. So um. awesome. Well, thanks again, ladies, and thanks everyone for listening. And we hope to uh, catch you next time on our next podcast. Hi, everyone. Valerie here, and on behalf of all of the ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including LadiesCon. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.